Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor. Joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler, um, who who taught this past Sunday, of course. And I don't know if that you poked a bear. I don't know if it's really poking a bear. But you should... You shown some light upon the Yetis in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's appropriate language considering I'm leaving for Nepal in exactly 24 hours. Right? Oh, We're man. The home of Yeti. What's yeah. what's the lore of the Yeti? I mean, Do you know? I mean, it's basically the snow version of uh, Sasquatch. Okay. Like, I, I think, well, you know what? I think he's white, but... That might be the, the abominable snowman. Might be what I'm thinking of, but I think the yeti is white. I, well, white haired. I mean, it would it would creature. fit more in the Himalayan context, right? Of it, but, yeah. Okay. But there is 100 percent a the the yeti is a is a thing there. Like that's mm. in the mountains. Um, when you go this week and next week, I, I need you to to like. Do like a survey or a poll. Like you, you're gonna ask. I need oh. you to ask multiple people along the way, just in passing. Your driver, your guy at the hotel, the guy at the restaurant, wherever you're gonna be in the village. Have you ever seen a yeti? Uh, well, look, I can do a showing of hands. Like I could do. Yeah, we're gonna have like 1,500 people. Uh, in in, come, I need you to come back with some stories. There has to be some stories passed down or first person experiences. This feels like like ground zero for some some really good information. Yeah, I mean, I could get some fresh off the press stories. Yeah, the the truth is, wherever you go in remote parts of the world, specifically places that are where witchcraft, medicine doctors, voodoo, they all have stories, and yeah, some of it is you know, I've heard about or some, man, a lot of times it's not. It's like, oh man, I saw this myself or this demonic force. I remember the first time going by a voodoo temple in Haiti thinking, because the guys wanted to walk on the other side of the street, the Haitians did. And I'm like, what are you guys crazy? But actually, that's not true. The first thing I thought was I was actually scared with them because I'm thinking they're going to come out and hit us with a machete. Right. Yeah, that's problematic. Right. But then I realized maybe a trip or two later. Oh no, there the, it's the actual demonic stuff going on in there that they're concerned about. They, you know, the voodoo the voodoo priest in this specific one was like a hundred years old. Like you know, they could have just broke you know, just wrung his neck. It wasn't right. They were not physically afraid of him at all. It was the demonic stuff going on in there that they were scared of. You may be wondering how we even got to this point here as we open this podcast. Exactly, like <laughs> ease into this like a hot bath, man. We just jumped off. John chapter ten. Specifically, verse 34, Jesus answered them, It is not written in your law, I have said you are gods. And you took that that verse and ex- explained kind of what what's going on here with that phrasing, you are gods. In the Bible, they are called the sons of God. The, the word gods there can mean rulers and authorities, the host of heaven, Elohim, the divine council. And you broke that down and you know, gave us a, a bit of a, a history lesson. We went to class on Sunday is what we did. It was uh, it was a lot, wasn't it? <laughs> like we, we took the deeper <laughs> podcast to a Sunday morning, essentially, Sunday what happened. To a Sunday morning near you. I mean, it's hard with that because, you know, you can end up leaving more questions than you answered. Like, True. Which has, hap- which has happened this week. A lot of questions. Yeah, for sure. And, but at the same time, like... When you see Jesus say, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside, like you can skip over that, mm-hmm. but he, he said it. And what did he mean by it is, I don't know, kind of an important question because on, on, the, on the face of it, it, it would seem that he's saying, you know, are we not all gods like you are gods, like to the Jewish people who are opposing him. But that's not at all what he's saying. Um He's not saying you're a God and I'm a God. We're all, you know, that's a, 
a very much an ideology of the progressive movement, right? That we're all Christ, Christ in us. But he's quoting from Psalm 82. And that was the, uh, it was like Psalm 82. When you go there, it's like someone opened the door while the car was moving and you just fell out. Because like, oh boy, we got to start, you know, what in the world is he talking about? You know, because it's a very potent passage speaking of uh, this thing called the divine so the word divine, just to be clear, the word divine counsel is actually not in scripture. That's a, f- a phrase that we use in modern, like the, the rapture. Uh, you know, there are phrases we use that describe an idea, but there's not the word itself isn't in there. But like heavenly host is for sure in there. Sons of God, gods. And that's what Psalm 82 is, is a passage where God is like specifically talking to the gods. And is that rendered in the... In the in the Greek or the Hebrew as Elohim, that would be the Greek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, among the gods, so God presides. Psalm eighty two one. God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among, and then it's the word gods in quotation marks in the uh, nearly inspired version. Um, which yeah, it's Elohim. The divine council um, is a, is a phrase that is commonly used for it. But that's it's the same word in Genesis one in the beginning, you know, God said, let us make man in our image. Like he's speaking of Elohim. Let us make man in our image. It, it does not mean to be super clear. It does not mean that there are, there's more than one Yahweh, more than one God, God, like capital G. Um, our English language is inadequate for it because, you know, Yahweh is his name. Like that, like that is, the tetragrammaton, like there, there's a word for his name and the Hebrews don't even say it. They won't spell it. They won't say it out loud. The truth is, is we don't even know how to pronounce it. It's an unpronounceable. It's like Prince when he came back, you know, from the symbol. Yeah. The artist formerly known as Prince. This is like, you know, this is the God currently known as an unpronounceable name. But there's this idea that, you know, and maybe it's where people get uncomfortable is when you use the word, it's where I would get uncomfortable, the, the word gods, plural, because there is only one God, Yahweh, but there are other divine beings out there. There are other created beings. God has been around f- infinite. So, you know, he's not just been sitting around twiddling his thumbs for a trillion years. Yeah, I think what's what's kind of cool is the fact that we use specifically, um, we don't just drive by these, um, but we we sit and park the car and, and talk about it. I mean, I think that's yeah. when, that's, that's something that, you know, I haven't noticed, you know, when I've first came around um, 13 years ago into a conduit's first service is, you know, I just noticed that some of the the tricky parts of scripture, the the things that maybe were a little blurry, um, you would, we would spend time, you would spend time, you know, explaining, diving into scripture and, and, and connecting some dots that maybe some of us hadn't really connected before. And, and I kind of likened it to, I had said before this, um, you know, it's like you're driving in a car, you're on a trip, and, you know, you kind of, you start to hit the rumble strips and you kind of wakes you back up like, oh, okay, where, where are we at? Where are we going? Um, it's kind of like we fit, we hit some rumble strips this, this Sunday. <laughs> it's like, okay, wait a minute. There's, there's some tricky stuff in here. What does this all actually mean? Have you ever been on a tour bus when, when he hits oh, the rumble strips? Yeah. That's the, one uh, of the scariest things not ever. Not a fan. Not a fan. Because if it's three in the morning and your bus driver is hitting rumble strips, and when you're, especially when you're in a bunk on a tour bus and you can't see anything, you have no sense of direction. That's a scary moment. It, it is because, and I may, you know, most people, I guess most people know this, but the way a tour works is the, you, the bus drivers are vampires, man. They drive all night and sleep all day. The, yeah. Like the last thing you want to see at your show is the bus driver. Watching the show. Watching the show. That's You're right. Like, Bro. You should be in bed right I now. I need you sound asleep right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's nothing more alarming. I, I spent a lot of mornings getting up around four, you know, after the rumble strips, mm-hmm. sitting in the jump seat up front, getting them talking. Yep. Just so we don't get on the news. <laughs> right. You know, uh, and I've seen, I've actually heard some great stories and uh, and saw some beautiful sunrises. True, you know, with it. But I'm like, I can't sleep anyway because I'm waiting for this guy to wrap this thing around a pole. And well, it, it, it kind of felt like Sunday. You know, it's like we hit some <laughs> we hit some rumble strips. Like, okay, Darren, where are we going? What are we What are we tackling right now? Because I mean, you you jumped into some some topics that w- 
most people wouldn't encounter maybe on a Sunday. But don't you... So this is the kind of stuff that I got in trouble for as a kid because you would... I would see something like that and go, okay, wait, what? What did he just say? Like, we're right. just going to skip over that? Like, yeah. And, and no disrespect to anybody that was ever, you know, a Bible teacher, pastor, whatever, because there, there are those out there that do hit that. And by the way, a lot of people perfectly content to just keep reading. Like, that's True. totally fine. No judgment. I'm just not one of them. Yeah. And so, I mean, my joke was for years was that a pastor's job is to answer a bunch of questions that nobody's asking. And... So I, you know, whenever I hit a passage, what I tend to do is like, okay, what's the question that I would have here? Yeah. And then find the answer that that's literally how I've studied the scripture for pretty much my entire life. Like I, I've, believe it or not, I've never sat down and read the Bible front to back. I've read the whole Bible, just not all at once because I'll get, this will happen. Right. And suddenly I'm in Psalm 82, which leads to. Genesis 6 and Genesis 1 and Deuteronomy. Before long, it's like an hour has gone by. and, and Which I, is the absolute beauty of Scripture, right? Like it, it truly all does tie together. It's yeah. a commentary unto itself. It's the most, to me, the most important part of it is that uh, it, it's either all true or none of it's true at all. Um, And, and so it's... And here's the thing, like when you, if, if you know, some of these guys that are doing like their cursory, you know, critiques of scripture, they'll take one verse and pull it out and, uh, and you know, this is nuts, yada, yada. But if you approach it from the whole breadth of it as 66 books written over a span of thousands of years that, you know, in the words of Chuck Missler, contain a message from outside of our time domain, <laughs> you know, wow, somehow yeah. it's like, uh, that's what we've got. And, and that's part of this. I mean, it's. The idea that there's a spirit world and a natural world is something that most Christians would agree with. Yeah. And most of us spend very little time thinking about it or wondering, okay, what does that exactly mean? Do you think over the past few years specifically that some of this has become a little more out in front because of all the things that happened in the world to where there is people asking questions like what whether it's the pandemic or racial tensions or you know rumors of war or famine and I, like there's so many things happening at once globally i th- my opinion there's there's a remnant of people asking a lot of questions about okay there's stuff happening in the natural but man it f- sure feels like there's something happening in the spiritual for sure. And I think that by and large, a group of people, because here's my theory is that a lot of us were already out there. We just didn't know each other, hadn't found each other. Yeah. Because it does seem, again, the world is, seems to be moving along, at least the United States, blissfully unaware but there's that sense in the back of our minds that something's not right, that something's yeah. not normal. And those that are predisposed to this, I don't know if this is a sovereignty of God or, you know, it's, the, you know, the, I think I've said it before on this, but the men of Issachar, you know, I think it's First Chronicles 12, uh, when they were listing out the tribes of Israel, the men of Issachar understood the times they lived in and knew what to do. They were by far the smallest tribe. Yeah, like, well, that's good. By far the smallest tribe. Right. Um, but that was their job was to understand the times and know what to do. So the rest of them weren't stupid. They just, that wasn't what God had called them to do. Each of those tribes had a, a purpose and a mission. And, and so that like our tribe, that is what our job is, is to understand the times and to know what to do. You know, the, uh, the idea of being what it would is to be a watchman on the wall, you know, the biblical idea that someone's looking to the future. And so there's a, there is a, because of the internet, there's a larger ability for those to connect with each other. Uh, and yeah, the, when you see, when you start to, you know, be able to cross-reference your Bible, you know, with your newsfeed, um, <laughs> it, it starts to jump out at you like, oh, wait, like yeah. I, I've read about this before, you know, yeah, universal, you know, social check-in where I can only buy if I'm approved by, you know, with some mark, like, wait, haven't I not read that somewhere before? Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it does begin to jump out at you and why this stuff is important to look at the spirit and the natural 
is to remember that this is not new and, and that there are things going on and that it's if we focus only on the natural, which I have a proclivity toward, you know, getting just fed up by madness. If we focus on only that and then forget that, the, hey, there are principalities, there are rulers, there are authorities, you know, that are in the spirit world moving, then I could be trying to solve a symptom instead of dealing with the actual root of the actual sickness itself, the evil in the world. You brought up some of those phrases and you just said that. Um, a couple of them in that sentence, talking about rulers and principalities, authorities, dominions. It's brought up several different times in Scripture, those, those actual phrases. Paul talks about them quite a bit as well. What would be an example of, you know, like rulers and principalities, authorities, dominions, yeah, so there's New Testament language and there's Old Testament language. They're both talking about the same thing. Oh. Paul was a uh, a Pharisee, so a, a, a scholar of the Torah. And it's one of the things that's important when you read the Bible. You know, it, you know, one of my good friends is Michael Easley, and his, uh, I mean, his entire podcast is called "In Context with Michael Easley," right? Right, and and, and the idea of context is that we are looking at the, the the entire verse, the entire chapter, the entire passage. Like, what is the context of this? And it also means context of the context of those who originally received this. What what context were they in, and how would they have understood this? Right. Because that was how it was meant. And so, when Paul talks about rulers and authorities and principalities and powers, you know, one of the examples might have been from the book of Daniel. Um, Daniel was in Babylon. The, the, the people of Israel had been taken hostage, and I, I can't remember how far this was in. It seemed, I remember this was close to the end of their captivity, but in Daniel 10, you know, he's uh, the 24th day, uh, uh, chapter 10, verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, which, by the way, is still the great river, the Tigris, that goes through the middle of modern-day Iraq. To this day, um, Grady and Becky, you know, they could go take a dip in the Tigris wow. River. The Tigris and the Euphrates are still there. And he, I looked up before me and I saw uh, was a man dressed in linen with a white belt of fine gold uh, from Upaz, which I got to tell you, I have no idea what that is, uh, around his waist. That's, that's by the way, that's an example of something that could waste an hour. Right <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what that is. Upaz, I haven't figured that is. Uh, but here, here's the thing, the guys, you know, this this messenger from God, um, which, by the way, the, 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 he uses language like a gleam of burnished bronze and his voice is like the sound of a multitude. Revelation, the entire book of Revelation is basically a re, it's a weaving together of all of the, the prophetic. It's There's hardly any new thoughts at all in Revelation. It's all just a weaving of the, the Torah, the prophets. But here, so it says in verse 12, this is what he says to Daniel. Don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them in verse 13. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. But then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. And now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. That is an example of principalities, powers, and rulers. There's, you know, there is a something happening that God has sent a, a, a messenger, a divine messenger, but is resisted by this other fallen messenger, who is the prince of Persia. Uh, speaking of that, that is a you know someone who has been given authority. Biblically speaking, uh, a spiritual realm authority over the land of Persia. And interesting enough, by the way, down in verse 20, when he's talking about, hey, this is, you know, actually, first Daniel's like, man, I can't even breathe. You want me to write all this down? How, you know, uh, but the messenger says, do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I do, the prince of Greece will come. Many commentators think that that is the prophetic. Speaking of Alexander the Great. Oh, interesting. Who conquered Persia, the Greeks. This was, uh, I can't remember, it's 
centuries, but not long. It wasn't in the grand scope of history. It wasn't right. a long time later that the Greeks came and conquered Persia. But in modern context, Persia is Iran. That's yeah. Iranians are considered Persians. You know, the you know, it's one of the things that's important when you're in the Middle East is not it's not just Arabs. In fact, Arab isn't a thing. It's their Persians, Kurds, Syrians, Jordan, Jordanians. They're actually there are people groups that speak a language called Arabic. They're that's not a people, it's a language. Right. Right. Yeah. And so the Persians speak Arabic, but they are very much a a people group. And different than uh, Saddam Hussein's history. It's one of the reasons why it was so complicated between Iran and Iraq for all those years was Babylon is actually in modern-day Iraq. It's like Murfreesboro to Nashville. It's like 40 miles southeast. And Saddam Hussein spent his time, uh, one of the things he was doing was trying to rebuild, uh, bring Babylon back to life. Bricks with his names on it. And next door, the Persians are like, oh, no, 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 that's our land and so for you know whatever 20 years they were you know just bombing the crap out of each other until the u.s came in and took out saddam and gave them unfettered access pretty much to uh to iraq but in the principalities and powers it's like in the natural there's a war going on because in the spiritual there's a war going on and you can see when you start cross-referencing some of the the demonic forces that they're speaking in scripture and then cross-reference it with a modern day lens um they there oftentimes are some of the most war-torn areas of the world are still those war-torn areas of the world that have been that way for centuries, millennia, because of a spiritual battle going on behind the scenes. Okay, so one distinction that I want to maybe clarify, or, or at least for myself. So when we're talking about rulers, principalities, authorities, and powers, when we talk about those, I think generally speaking— it's a pejorative, like darkness, but that's not, that's not the whole story, right? There's, right. there's the rulers, principalities, authorities, and powers that are, that are good, that are, that are of light, that are of God. Yeah. When you go back to the fall of man, right before that, there was a fall from the heavens, Jesus said, I beheld you as lightning fall from, from heaven. Yeah. Uh, Ezekiel 38, he, the, the, he describes that, you know, or I think it's, or it's 28, I'm sorry, describes. So yeah, Ezekiel 38 is the future. 28 is the, is the past. Um, speaking of Satan himself, you're, you're, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone adorned you. And by the way, with the, you know that when that prophecy starts, it's actually, it says it's to the king, uh, the ruler of Tyre, where the, you know that uh, you've heard the language Jesus mm-hmm. would say, the, uh, Tyre and Sidon. You know, it'll be great. It'll be easier for them than you. You know, the key, the, those are lands that still exist. So in the natural, there was a natural king of Tyre, but in the in behind the scenes, there was a, a, a you know a, this prince of darkness. I mean, that's I guess is that Ozzy Osbourne? Was he the prince of darkness? <laughs> Which one was the Prince of Darkness? I don't know. <laughs> Which demonic? Uh, I maybe it was Alice to, Cooper. I don't know. I wasn't allowed to listen to that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but he talks about, you know, you were the seal of perfection. You were in Eden. So clearly the guard, like, the king of Tyre wasn't there, but the demonic force behind him was there. So in the, okay, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So um, you were anointed, verse 14, as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. Um, It's this, this, the natural, there's a king of Tyre, and in the spirit, there's a king that is not. And then beyond that then are, yeah, there are the angels, the angelic forces. There are cherubs and seraphim, um, these other beings that we don't really 100% Mm. know that are called Elohim. Um, And when you... When the rebellion of man, it was like a twin rebellion. There's the rebellion of, of man and the rebellion of of Satan. But Satan isn't like a uh, a lone wolf out there. In fact, you know, Satan is a word that we've given him. There's there's lots of phrases in Scripture that refer to him. So there clearly is a you know the devil, but it's not like a Dante, the devil. Yeah, yeah, that was that was kind of a, an imagine an imagined version uh-huh. of what it could look like. Yeah, because there's no Dante. Uh, there is no 
where in scripture that indicates that Lucifer was changed in form mm-hmm. at all. Like there's Dante's Inferno, you know, with the pitchforks and the horns and the you know tails and like that. That's a man's imagination, but uh, there's this one, I can't remember which prophecy it was, but they'll look on him and say, you were the one that deceived the nations? Like in... in like almost like you're you're beautiful. You like how could you have been that one to have done that? Like you 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 you're amazing. Um, so with the rebellion, you know, there's these beings and and again heavenly hosts. There's these words for them where they're the fallen ones, and then there are those that are still with with God. And one of the examples I brought out on Sunday of which is so, I, I, and I'll be honest, I'm really fascinated by this because I don't understand it, but like it's it's true of First Kings and it's true of Job, where they have access, at least at this during this dispensation, they had access to God. The spirits would, you know, before God, and God would communicate with them, and then they could only do what God allowed them to do. Uh, so I'm, I, don't, I don't pretend to understand how that works. Like, yeah, they were, they were given permission to pretty much do anything, they could not take someone's life, right? So, well, well, I mean, that's what the the Job, the Job story basically said: "Have your way, but do not, but spare his life." Right. So with Job, that was it. Yeah. With uh, in First Kings, it was about Ahab, and it was very much about him getting killed. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a, that funny passage of these these spirits came before God, and this one said this, and that one said that. It's like a little staff meeting, you know, going on heaven, <laughs> and. Uh, and here it was, you know, this one, the, the winning, you know, the winning idea uh, brought him into the, you know, into battle and where he was killed, uh, where Jezebel would ultimately be killed as well. But that started with a, a meeting of the divine council. Uh, and that's fascinating to me. Like, I, you know, these, these beings have access to God, but it's also encouraging to me that the God of the universe is still in control. They couldn't do anything he didn't let them do. Like, they, they couldn't just go run willy-nilly. They're, they're bringing ideas, and he says, okay, we'll do that one. Okay, so we we haven't really touched on even Genesis 6. You went to Genesis 6 on Sunday, I believe, briefly. Yeah, I did a flyover of it. Which, which really kind of helps set the stage, perhaps, for a lot of this. In general, I think that it it does set the stage. It's more that it is an example of that these beings existed, exist uh, presently. That they at one point it, it, at least had access to human humans, like in in some sort of form. And it's when you go all the way back to Genesis six, you know what the. It was right after that that God divided the nations that sent them out in some count as seventy, some seventy-one. Uh, but that, that when He sent them out, it wasn't just the people and the languages. It was also uh, Deuteronomy thirty-two tells us it was the sons of God that He sent out. That was when they were given their specific authority over specific parts of the of the world. That you know, the, you know, this prince is here and this prince is there. I'm sure the prince of Persia was probably in Genesis six, right? Like he's now in Persia, but he was then there. And the thing that I wanted to bring that out for is, if you're not a follower of of Christ, if you are, um, whatever humanist, secular, whatever, you you, you hear the way we're talking right now, and you think this is absolutely why I do not follow God and follow Jesus because this is crazy talk. You know, angels having sex with women and creating a race of giants like this is nuts. Genesis six four. Genesis six four. Yep. Um. And admittedly, that's a, that's a wild thing to think. But when you go to the secular humanist side, and they are trying to explain things that have happened in history. They don't have any explanations either. They'll start going down roads of, you know, okay, well, it's got to be about the, you know, uh, they, they, they used leverage, they use these tools. and But no one can replicate how you move a 70-ton, 35 SUVs, granite beam, you know, stone that comes from hundreds of miles away from where these pyramids were built. How did, how did they do it? 
nobody knows. And of course, if the secular humanists say, well, they had to figure out some kind of technology. They had, it was all leverage. They, they put water on the, they wet the sand and they drug it over. <laughs> they haven't been able to replicate it no. at all. No, we. With I mean, all of our modern advances, they still can't replicate right. it. Right. And so the honest ones, they'll start to pontificate uh, space aliens and or technology that we had no access to, like moving it with sound. Yeah, you know, frequencies. That, frequencies and stuff. And those are all interesting and fascinating, and yet they're just as nuts. Like it, you have to, you, you, at least if you're intellectually honest, have to say that the Bible, when you take it as a, as a whole, has been proven to be true on multiple, multiple, multiple things. Archaeology over and again has been proven has proven the Bible to be true. It's not a matter of faith. It's a matter of fact. With that kind of a record on a book like this, can you at least give them the, you know, okay, this sounds far-fetched, but it's been right on everything else, and your idea is that space aliens came, so can you at least, you know, give me the idea, you know, like my, I have a better chance of mine being right because I've got a book that's been more right than yours is with it. So, I, you know. Was it the you know the, the daughters of men and the sons of God, the Elohim, right, the, uh, creating this race of people called Nephilim, and they were part of building the pyramids? Maybe. Uh, I, the, we don't know that. We know that the pyramids are older than we thought they were. We know that we don't know how they got there. That, you know, there's a lot of archaeologists now that think that the um, Egyptians found them. Now, Egyptian archaeology hates this idea because it, it's, you know, understandably, because it's our heritage and we want to be the ones that have built this. And so I'll give them that. But but the truth is, is that we don't know exactly how old they are. It's likely they're older than we think they are. And it's likely, uh, well, actually, it's not likely. It's 100% true that nobody can explain who built them and how they built them. A minute ago, you, you kind of referenced, you know, principalities and, and princes being assigned different areas, et cetera, et cetera. Have you ever driven through an area or a region of the country and felt oh yeah a different presence? I don't I don't know what other word to use other than it just it felt different. Yeah, you you I'm sure you have, right? Yes, for sure. There's there's two there's two specific places that that I'll never forget where I'm on tour driving through an area or a region and just felt Oppression, I yeah. guess, just like an oppression. Um, and no, no, no offense to anybody that lives in these areas. It's just that's just what I experienced, and others have experienced the exact same. Where I've mentioned it, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely." Yeah. Um, for me, was was the um, the very northern part of Pennsylvania, hmm. driving through. I think it's oh gosh, I think it's I think it's I eighty up there, I'm heading towards New York up in the, like really northern part of the Appalachian in the, in, in Pennsylvania. Interesting. It, it was so like, we we're just driving through and you could just, you just felt it just dark, like a, a sense of darkness, a sense of oppression, a, fin, a sense of um, just heaviness for, for like an hour and a half. Is and that I, near anywhere of the reservations are in Pennsylvania? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's possible. Um, and then and then any time that I've, any time that we drive uh, north and cross the Ohio River into Ohio, yeah, where we go to visit family, where I grew up, um, we we get the sense of that as well across the river there. Um, anytime we we come and go, like when we leave and we cross the river heading into northern Kentucky and into middle Kentucky into Tennessee, it's like gone. Oh wow! Okay, it's interesting you say that because I, the literally the first place that came to my mind when you asked the question was but there are parts of Ohio that, that where I felt that. Yeah, I mean Ohio's neighbors to Pennsylvania. It's something like that. Yeah. Well, actually, so I would say Cleveland, that region. Way, yeah, Cleveland, like along the Great Lakes. I, I don't. I yeah. don't know. Again, I don't know why. I don't have a, a theory or anything like that. But I just know that driving through those areas over the years there's, is one area. I had an, another friend that has, has said for years that anytime he goes through uh, like Nevada, parts of Nevada, obviously Vegas, Southern mm -hmm. California, like in that corner, that area right. around Vegas, um, maybe like within like a hundred mile radius through that, 
specific region yeah. he feels has felt the same type of thing. Right. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting to kind of think about. Well, it's true all over the world. When you pass between borders, even between, like I felt it going between to- uh, Togo, Africa, and Ghana. Oh, wow. Africa. It just felt different in Ghana than it felt in Togo. It feels different in Congo than it feels in Uganda. Mm. Um, and so you can feel that presence. Some of it, I think, is... Uh, ask about the reservation because um, the amount of, you know, witch doctors, medicine men, whatever they're, they, you know, however they want to be referred to, that goes on in Indian reservations. And, and if, if you notice, uh, some of the places where you hear the most credible sightings of uh, unexplained aerial phenomena or whatever are almost always going to be where there's a, a, an Indian reservation. So it's not that because, you know, the First Nations people, whatever, are uh, evil, but if they're, if they're the demonic strongholds from witch doctors, from medicine men practicing, you know, witchcraft, it's, it's, there's something to that that I don't understand, don't pretend <laughs> right. to understand, but have seen it and experienced it and know that it's real from it. You know, that again, you just look at, okay, you know, is it, it's always Utah, Arizona, the Dakotas, right? you know, where, uh, and, and a lot of when you hear that, even uh, sightings from New York, you're like, oh, that's a, that's right next to the reservation there. Um, and by the way, you know, they, medicine men, old Navajo, they believe in shape-shifting. They talk about it like it's a, like, you know, like they just saw a coyote, you know. Yeah. No, it is really interesting. There is for sure a, a, a large contingency of, of reservations, Indian history, obviously, in Ohio and, and Pennsylvania. But, it, you know, like the, the Serpent Mound are all through Ohio. Um, that's a whole other topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and burial grounds are all, are all through Ohio. Yeah. Large swaths of, of Ohio and Michigan, Pennsylvania. Well, if the Bible is true and to be believed, and I, and I, I of course, you know where I come down on that, there are specific principalities and powers that have authority in those areas. Daniel is just one example of that. You know, the Prince of Persia. Uh, Revelation actually speaks of where Satan has his throne, and it's in modern-day Turkey, um, not far from Lebanon, by the way, uh, Syria. Um, like these are geographical locations. You know, as we're talking through this, I'm being reminded of conversations I've had with with families and individuals over the past couple of years that have relocated and moved to Nashville mm-hmm. specifically. They feel like they've been drawn here. They feel like the Lord has called them here literally from every part of the country, a large part of California, Mm -hmm. um, but a significant part of the Denver area, significant part of the Chicago area, a significant part of the New Jersey, New York area that have, that have, that have come to Nashville. And they, we talk, we kind of have some of these little conversations. They talk about kind of the opposite where this area, they talk about this area, this region, we're drawn to this Nashville area because it feels so light. It feels so free. Mm. It feels different than anywhere we've ever been before. And, and I mean, I can attest that ourselves. I mean, as our family moved down here 13 years ago, we would, we would comment about it all the time when we would, we were driving down and looking at the area, like, man, it just feels so different. And and there's, Mm -hmm. there's just a sense of, I don't know, like freedom and, and just, it feels lighter, whatever that means. I don't know yeah. what that means, but it feels lighter. Um, that's been a, that's been a consistent, uh, description of, of families that I've met over the past yeah. couple of years here at Conduit. Yeah. So one of the ideas that I would pontificate is, so the, the rulers, the authorities, the powers, there are clearly stronger, weaker powers. And, what I would pontificate because so Ephesians two, one verses one, two, three speaks of the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of the air, you know, who is still, you know, who for now it speaks of, um, for, for this current dispensation, those rulers and authorities are still here. Now they're under his feet. They are under, under the watchful eye of God. They're only going to go as far 
it's like a you know the, the 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 neighborhood dog that you know as long as he's on the chain, God's got him on a chain. They're only going as far as He lets him go. But I I wonder if that an area like this, it's not that there isn't any, and we know that there is darkness here. No, it's that it's this isn't as strong because it's a different ruler here than it is say you know New York or Chicago, and the darkness is not as palpable because of that. It's also possible because of the amount of light coming out of here, the amount of Jesus people here. But I remember 94 when we moved here, our little apartment in Bellevue, feeling home. Like it just felt different. Mm. Like we got, um, it was 94, my goodness. That's a long time ago. Anyway, uh, it just felt different. We were, we had, we'd spent a year in Atlanta, uh, which I did not enjoy at all. But we got here and I wasn't, my job was, everything was unsure. Everything was unsure. And I can't even tell you that we were, I was walking with the Lord in that, you know, season, not, not closely anyway, but we, I just, I remember specifically feeling a peace when we got here. And I used to attribute that to, because that was where we were, where God wanted us to be. And there was a peace because we were here. And, and that, that is very true. But over the years I've come to realize, and also there's just something about this, this area you know, and I felt it other places. I felt it in Tulsa, uh, certain parts of Dallas. You know, I felt it in like the Fort Worth area, where you just feels alive. Yeah. And then you get to Cleveland, and like, man, I'm depressed just <laughs> driving. And and it wasn't like I was going through the steel belt and looking at all the rust and the you know the the doesn't help. It doesn't help. <laughs> but I didn't even see any of that. You just drive in, and it just it feels. The people feel different. It just yeah. feels different there. So, uh, I think that there's something to that. What what is important for us to know is that whatever's going on behind the scenes that we do and do not understand, what we can understand is that we have authority. We do not need to live in fear. When I realized what was going on with the Haitians, that they were going to the other side of the street because they were afraid of the the demons. Um, and not the machetes. And I don't know what that says about me because I was very much willing to walk on the other side of the street when I thought it was about machetes. But when I realized, oh, the, I don't know, come walk with me. We have nothing to be afraid of here, nothing. And people might think that's naive. I mean, there's that passage, which is really hilarious in the uh, Acts of the Seven Sons of Sceva. Was there not a band? <laughs> Am I remembering that right? Okay, there was. I can't believe you remotely have this right because <laughs> it's such Am it's such a deep cut there was a band <laughs> called a black eyed skiva black eyed skiva and it was uh they gosh. had to be it had to be tooth and nail records well it was it was a tooth and nail adjacent so like like five the, minute walk records oh like the poor man's yeah. tooth and nail which is not saying a lot because it was yeah. like tooth and nail at the, 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 in that area right, was the true. bottom of the barrel. But if you got out and dug a hole underneath the barrel <laughs> into the ground, you could find five minute walk records. I mean, these are these. There's a very, very, very minute amount of people that would know who and what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> but yes, you're Black right. Black eyed Skiva. What a great name. That's hilarious. Now, uh, and why was I bringing that up? Because so, of demons. There's something about Skiva the seven. Oh. oh. It's the naivete of like, yeah, you don't want to go taking on a demon if, you know, if, because they, they're like, we didn't even know your name. You know, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who are you? And they, yeah. And they stripped up the sons of Sceva and, and uh, they ran away naked, you know. So, so I wasn't really interested in running away naked in Haiti after getting, you know, the crap beat out of me by a, by a voodoo demon. But if you know your authority in Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of this stuff. That reminds me of a story that you told of uh, your time in Africa um, when you witnessed uh, a woman's eyes change yeah. color. Yeah, that was wild, bro. Talking about the authority in the name of Jesus. Yeah. What what preempted that? So Caleb just looked at me like I'm from Neptune. Caleb's going with me to Africa in June. Oh boy, in July. Um, so when we so this you know what this I don't know why I didn't even start with this because this is such a great real-life example of how principalities and powers are in place. When we plant a church in Uganda, for the most part, it is in a place where the gospel has never been, been proclaimed, in a place where there are no churches, there are no 
Christians per se, not, you know, and in fact, we buy the land before they even know there are Mzungus involved, just because locally we're trying to get the land. But we, but but buying the land is a spiritual act of saying we're about to take some land for the kingdom. And when we, for the first time, gather Jesus people in the community, it, you can literally set your watch by it. Like, so, so let's, you know, the, we'll throw a feast, we'll invite everybody in, and we will proclaim the, the gospel for the first time. And it's like Jiffy Pop, man, like <laughs> demonic people, you know, demon-possessed people. And, and it's not like you have to say, hey, do you have a demon? You know, and then they'll start, like, you'll be like mid-sentence, and all of a sudden a lady will go, and literally just fall over like five rows of chairs. And, you know, if you think about it, and you're a demonic presence and power, you've been sitting around there minding your own business for hundreds <laughs> right. of years, ruling and reigning. And here comes this Jesus guy saying, you are on notice. They don't go quietly. Mm. But what you're referring to is in the days leading up to it, we will go door to door and invite people to... Uh, to this big gathering, which is the birth of this church, where we'll proclaim, you know, the gospel, and and this uh, when you so when you go into a, a, a Ugandan village, the their culture, the 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 mama, uh, like an older lady especially, will literally like get on her knees and sit, you know, on the floor to humble herself. Uh, it's a uh, or modern day feminists would have a would, would hate it. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with it, honestly. Because I'm like, I'm not higher than you, you know, so I actually got on my knees to be in front of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking and she started talking about these dreams that she was having and these, you know, this terrible thing that's been happening to her. And my daughter, Ashley, was with me uh, and a couple other. And I remember saying, hey, Ash, honey, you might want to scoot back. It's about to get real in here. <laughs> and uh, And she opened her eyes and they were blue. And she started making these wild noises. Blue eyes. Blue. And by the way, Ugandan. They don't have right. blue eyes there. And she and I don't remember her having blue eyes before. Mm. She opened her eyes. She may have. I feel like I would have noticed it. Well, yeah. Because you know, it's I've I've never seen a Ugandan with blue eyes before. So, but she opened her eyes; they were blue, and she was making all kinds of weird noises, um, like weird body movements. And and my Uganda buddies were there, uh, Francis and and these guys. I mean, they know what they're doing mm-hmm. with it. But yeah, we prayed with her. We prayed over her. We commanded whatever that was to go, and she. I, you know, I don't know how long it was. It, it was minutes, not seconds, but it wasn't like hours, right? Minutes. And so at one point, she just like, her body completely relaxed. She opens her eyes again, and her eyes are brown. Wow. So I, I actually don't know anything about why eyes would change colors. I've, I can't find any example of that in Scripture at all, other than I saw it. <laughs> right. And then I saw, you know, she was delivered, man. She's, wow. you know. Uh and that's part of when you go into a brand new place is that we are literally saying that Jesus is Lord. These rulers and authorities, these principalities and powers that have been here, you are not. And the battle begins. So we're putting a flag in the ground saying that, you know, and part of our spiritual warfare is that we're drilling wells with clean water. We're bringing them health care because we, you know, that's what the kingdom of God says and the kingdom of darkness uh, is on notice. So we, you know, we are building outposts of the kingdom of God where Satan is not welcome. Satan is on notice. The principalities, the powers, the sons of God, so to speak, are on notice that on our watch, um, we're doing spiritual warfare uh, in the most practical of ways. Man, it's such a good reminder for us. I mean, if we would really remember and understand that on a daily basis, that we are in a spiritual battle. Um, there, there's so much happening in the unseen realm, and you alluded to that book titled "That Unseen Realm" by Dr. Michael Heiser. Yeah, one hundred percent a book that I think he released it in 2012, and Rob Bramblett gave it to me. Oh, really? Right? Yeah. Nice. And it, you know, he's a fellow IFB guy like you. He was yep. an independent fundamentalist Baptist church. I think his dad was a pastor. Yeah, he was. Um, he uh. Yeah, he actually didn't hand it to me. He just asked if I'd ever read it. 
and I hadn't. It sounded fascinating, and it was. And I would highly recommend Unseen Realm, Reversing Herman, uh, or I'm sorry, Hermon, Mount Hermon, Hermon uh, but by Heiser. Because um, the thing about you know, and I think a lot of people are, are nervous talking about this stuff because there are a lot of quacks. Yeah. Yeah, and our friends over at Blurry Creatures, you know, they interview some great people like, you know, Laura Sanger and Heiser and Alberino and, you know, and they're not actually uh, trying to, it's like they're trying to understand, ask questions. So occasionally they'll have a kook on there. Um, I haven't listened in a while, so I don't know if they're, if they, I think they've like, uh, I think they have uh, narrowed down some of the kooky. Yeah, they're dialing it in. Folks. But, you know, there was that one guy that like he talks to angels and he calls himself a seer. Yeah, that's, uh, that's... I, I cannot remember his name, but I'm like that dude. That's nuts. Like oh. that's like if if your quote unquote deliverance ministry involves an entire book that is nothing you can find in scripture, you know you're off. You're on the wrong path. Red flag. Yeah, because uh, we don't have to beg demons to come out. We don't have to do like a 14 day trial run of this. You know that's there's no example of that in scripture. Mm-hmm. You either have the authority or you don't. Yeah, and you use it or you won't. And when it comes to deliverance stuff, there's wacky stuff. So people tend to maybe shy away from it altogether. Uh, and, and I don't know if it's something to do with, if you don't believe in this, the modern day move of the Holy spirit that, cause I know that people that are cessationists mm. do believe in the demonic realm, but they tend to stay away from it yeah. altogether. Like it, it becomes an academic exercise or, or more of like a, well, it is what it is. We're helpless against it kind of thing. Maybe, I don't know. I'm yeah. sure you guys didn't, did you probably didn't talk about it much no. in your church growing up? No, not at all. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those topics you just never really yeah. touched or talked about. We talked about it a lot in the charismatic circles. Yeah. But not, like, I didn't have an understanding of it. Like, in my mind, it was, there's basically, there's angels and there's demons. And there's God and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Like, they're, 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 that pretty much summed up the entire, oh, and Satan. So, you know, that sums up the entire spiritual realm yeah but that's just not even kind of accurate the yeah. biblical lens is so broad of the fallen you know again english language we would call them fallen angels demons whatever um they're uh i think tim Mackey bible project they i think they refer to them as the rebels which is i like that language because that's really <laughs> what they are the, the 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 spiritual rebels and the human rebels you know and jesus came to rescue us you know from the rebels to pull us out of the rebellion. You know, I'm reminded of Ephesians 6, 12, where we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I taught on this about a year ago. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That we would see the invisible, like mm-hmm. that we would be reminded that there's so much happening in the invisible. And I think one of the things that we're experiencing here in America is when, when believers, those that are followers of Christ, that are push up against the evils that are happening in the spiritual realm. That's why there's such a clash. There's, 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 we, we can feel the, the tension and the oppression when we're, when we're fighting for, um, you know, babies to live we're fighting for life yeah and when we're fighting for um grown men who dress as women dancing in front of our children when we're fighting against that yeah when we're when we're fighting against these things that are seemingly obvious and apparent there's clearly more going on behind the scenes in the unseen if we would walk around with our jesus glasses on all day long um we would see that there's so much happening in the unseen and it would, it would inform us and it would cause us to probably live with a lot more compassion and grace, but also walk in the authority that we have with the name of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so I leave for Nepal, like I said, in 24 hours, actually less than 24 hours now we're 23 hours. Um, they are not debating this over there. They're very well, aware of the of the darkness believers and or unbelievers both oh wow i mean i'm gonna culturally be, speaking yeah yeah i mean it's very much wrapped up into their uh their culture like they're in, in a weird way it actually makes it a little bit easier because 
Like I don't have to preface that. Hey, you know what? There's a spirit world out there. Do you know what? There's like a there are, there are evil forces. Mm. They know all that. Interesting. So for for me, it's it, it will be you know a reminder of the the persecuted people that they, you know that there is a, a a spirit of darkness behind this that uh, we do come out ahead in the end. We do win. You know, Paul wrote that Ephesians six from a jail cell in Rome. Right. And I would think, you know, he, do we wrestle against Rome or do we wrestle against the darkness? Now he, I, th- I think the modern version where some of the tension that people feel is, and maybe this is where the, I don't know, the John MacArthur's of the world come down on it. It's, uh, it's just God's will. So we can't do anything about it anyway. So we have to submit to it. But, you know, that's one idea. That's where the Romans 13 thing comes from. But again, Paul was executed for disobeying government orders. Uh, I think, and I'm pretty sure this is the, uh, the, the way it all works out, is that we don't just automatically submit to whatever our tyrannic, tyrannical governments, whatever doing, even if God is behind it. And you're like, well, why would we resist God? It's not resisting God. We're resisting the oppression. But that's where strength comes from. My, You know, my son, you know, in his little abs and his big biceps and whatever, you know, that is, that is all made up because he resists heaviness. Right. And so God allows the heaviness for uh, who knows how many reasons why, but one of them is, is that it builds strength in us because we are resisting the, the heaviness. It actually makes us into stronger Christians. So when Paul is saying we're wrestling, it's not that we're not wrestling, we're wrestling. It's just that we have to remember that it's behind Caesar Nero. There was a, Prince of the power of the air that he talked about in Ephesians two. There's the rulers and authorities of chapter one, like the literally the entire book of Ephesians, among everything else, whether it's marriage and you know uh, morality. The, there's that the behind the scenes thread of uh, that w- is woven through it of the principalities and the powers and the rulers. Uh, chapter two that he says that you were once part of those rebels, but now you're not. You're in Jesus. You're in this new thing now. Writing it from prison, and one of the things I'm going to uh, share with our brothers and sisters in Nepal who are living in very persecuted countries. They, they don't have even the ability to speak up like we have. Like we, we get to speak uh, without any without any fear of impunity. Uh, wait, that's not the right. Without any fear of repercussion from the government coming on us, um, we get to speak with impunity. That's the word. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Um, there are consequences for them. Paul, he couldn't get out of the Roman prison. Like he couldn't, you know, he's, so he's still resisting, but from his own way. But because of what seemed to, I would think probably seemed like a failure to him. We have the book of Romans. Uh, I'm sorry. We have the book of Ephesians. We have the book of Colossians. We have the book of Philippians. We have the book of Philemon. Like these are New Testament writings that were written while he, he would have all outside imagery to him would have seemed like this was not working that this was a failure, that this thing was dying on the launch pad. And yet here we are reading his writing 2,000 years later, and, you know, last week I paid 10, or last month I paid $10 to walk on the grave of the Roman mm-hmm. rulers that, uh, and one day we'll get to walk on the grave of all of these, because that's the thing that uh, Psalm 82 says, he comes to the end of that, you gods uh, that he's talking about, the Jesus, those the gods that Jesus is talking about, the, the psalm that ends with, you're going to die like mere mortals. You who have chosen to rebel against God, the Elohim that are the fallen rebels, you are going to die just like a mortal. They're all going to die. And we are, because of what Christ did, we get to live forever without any of that influence anymore. So good. We got deep on Sunday and we got deeper today. And um, man, we're... Uh, we love being able to jump into these topics. I mean, why not? This is this is, this is what we're here for. This is what uh, we we <laughs> we just love being able to try to dissect these things that, on the surface, are confusing or maybe don't make sense. But man, when you dive in deeper, when you take the time, um, so much really becomes illuminated and makes a lot more sense um, when you zoom out. And it doesn't contradict what's happening in, in the world. No, it yeah, it's very it. relevant, actually, to what's happening today. Right. 
every strength theorist out there thinks there's different realms, different, you know, yeah. this is not like a, a controversial idea. The only controversy is, is it, is it spirit versus natural? Yeah. Good. We have just as much of a claim to that as they do. Well, I don't know what a Yeti is, but I hope you see one this week. Oh man. Get a picture, please. Dude, I swear. Get a, get a very clear one, not a blurry not one. Blurry one. <laughs> what a clear picture of a Yeti. It's all we ask. Have a safe trip. And, uh, Thanks for tuning in with us. We're here each and every week. If you want to know more about what it is we're doing here at Conduit, conduitchurch.com. If you have any questions, would you email us, info at conduitchurch.com. If you need prayer, email us as well, prayer at conduitchurch.com.